Good afternoon and welcome to Bible Quest TV. It's certainly good to have all of our viewers on this afternoon. Uh, joining me, uh, as always, is Joe Works from Elmira, New York. How you doing, Joe? Uh, I'm good. Jake, Chase, how are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. And also joining us is Drew DeGrotto from Honesdale, Pennsylvania. How you doing today, Drew? All right, Chase, good to see you and good to see you as well, Joe. Yep. Very good. Jeff will not be joining us today. He's tied up at the moment. Uh, so we would, uh, as always, appreciate your comments and feedback on today's topic, uh, which we'll get into in just a minute. If you're watching with the Zoom app, you can drop us a comment there, uh, and we will soon be streaming to Facebook. I don't see it on Facebook quite yet, so I think uh, someone will be on top of that in just a second. Um, but as soon as that's up, you can also leave your comments there. Um, or if you have a question that you would like to call in, if you're using the Zoom app, you may do that as well. Uh, guys, I have an interesting story for us as we begin the webcast this afternoon uh, that I'd like to share with you all to kind of start us off. Um, just the other day, I was in downtown Harrisburg, and uh, I was on the escalator. And, you know, sometimes you overhear conversations uh, whenever you're in a close-knit area. And uh, there was a man and a woman standing in front of me, and they were having a conversation and the man repeatedly, just over and over again, it seemed like every other word, he was using a curse word, uh, just over and over again. And his language just as a whole was just really filthy. And uh, it's just one of those conversations that when you overhear, you just, you just kind of want to shut your brain off because you, you're just tired of hearing that. Uh, but it being as close-knit as it was, it was kind of hard to do that. And the lady looks at him and she finally goes, now, what did I tell you? about cursing around me so much. And she's, and he looked at her and he kind of chuckled and he goes, huh. Oh, it's no big deal. It's 2019. And I was just kind of taken aback by that. Um, I know this story is not unique to me. There are many occasions where some type of immoral thing happens that would go against God's word and go against what Christians believe. Uh, and yet someone just laughs it off by saying something like, huh, it's 2019. Just the other uh, couple months ago, there, there's a good friend of mine who was in Alabama, of all places, in, in a very crowded area. And he went to open up the door for this woman. And as she approached the door, she looked at him and she said, no, man, I, I got it myself. It's 2018. And he was just kind of taken aback and he went on in. And so there are a lot of basic things and, and a lot of immoral things that I think take place because people are just looking at what year it is and deciding it doesn't matter what we do anymore. Um, but guys, have you all ever had something similar like that happen to you all before? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, regularly hear people talk about that we are in, you know, an enlightened age or we need to, uh, you know, move with the times. We're more modern. Um, you know, more things are permissible or, you know, we are uh, advanced in some way um, simply because we've gotten older or because the calendar has passed. Right. Um, and, and it's really such a sad thing that happens whenever people reason like that. But, you know, I got to thinking about it. That story and that, that experience just kind of resonated me, with me the rest of that day. And I was thinking, you know what? I really, I might understand where he's coming from. Because this man, he, he's probably looking at everything else that's happening in the world. 
everything else that's happening in, in America in particular. And he's just seeing maybe the moral decline that's already here. And he's thinking, what's a couple of curse words in comparison to all of the horrible things and all the things that are going on now? What's the big deal? So you know what? From a worldly standpoint, I understand where he's coming from. You know, if we're already going down this road, what are a couple of curse words that are going to get in my way? It, it does seem a little bit silly that his response to her was, it's 2019. I wonder if the last time that she had told him that happened to be in 2018, as if, you know, uh, 15 days ago makes a difference that now she should accept uh, cursing around her. Right. Uh, it really seems rather absurd when you put it into that context, I think. Right. And when, when, the, when the ball dropped at midnight, uh, you know, December 31st, all of a sudden she woke up with this enlightenment. Oh, you know what? I, I'm going to forget about my values and what I believe um, as if that, that should be what happens. But, but that's what the world expects from others. Uh, that's really a good thing for, for Christians to be aware of. Um, and so I think it's worth us talking about this afternoon. Um, well, guys, go ahead, Joe. Well, I'm just going to ask, what kind of a passage would you go to to try to talk to people uh, about this kind of a situation of the things that are, are going on and the, the attitudes that people have adopted? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I, I would take someone over to 2 Timothy, the third chapter. Uh, I, I think that is, Paul really addresses some of the problems we see in our society today. And really, I think that Timothy saw in his day as well. Um, and so I think, Joe, this would be a good passage to take someone to and see, say, you know, look, the Bible warned about people like this. It warned about um, people who were becoming immoral, and, and we really shouldn't be caught off guard by it. And chapter 3 of 2 Timothy is going to do a great job talking about those kinds of people and what the world's going to be doing, but also what the Christian's response should be. So in 2019, let's look at what Paul warned about in 2 Timothy 3, and let's just see if any of these things apply to 2019. Let's see if we can figure it out. Uh, well, one of you go ahead and just read, starting in chapter 3 and verse 1, and read down to verse 9. You want to take it? Uh, yeah, go ahead, Drew. Thanks. At last days, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as James and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. So uh, Paul warns, starting in verse 2, that men will be lovers of self. Now, I, I don't know about you guys, but when I read the rest of what Paul makes mention of through that section, it can all really be summed up in they are lovers of self. Well, what do you guys think about when you hear that phrase, lovers of self? Uh, so first thing I think about are selfies. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think this really, you know, that that sort of typifies the, uh, the society that we're living in, where people are enamored with wanting to present themselves in the the most flattering way, maybe even unrealistic, you know, using a, a green screen or, you know, something to, to put them in <laughs> or whatever the case, whatever the case might be. Right. Yeah, and, uh, green screen is not working too well. It's still green, Joe. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I think that that's a really good assessment to make. Um, selfies is just one of those things. And actually, I, someone can correct me if I'm wrong. I, I believe my generation referred to as generation selfie. Um, wow. Because we are, we are known for our want to just capture ourselves doing what we're doing. Um, we want to get it out there, that type of thing. Um, by the way, I will make mention just real quickly, guys. We are now live streaming to Facebook. Um, so we just now are getting some of our Facebook viewers on. So, Great. Um, okay. so I'll go ahead and uh, make a mention just real quick. We're talking about the fact that it's 2019. And there are some people who believe because we are so forward progressing and, and, and the world is just on this moral decline that anything is okay now that it's 2019 and what a Christian's response to be. So we're in Second Timothy, the third chapter. If you're joining us, feel free to leave questions or comments. Joe, I believe you're going to say something. Well, I just think that that, that whole lovers of self, uh, as Drew read through that that text, the next uh, three verses, uh, two, two, three, and four, um, it, that really does seem to be sort of the foundation for each of those other things. It, the fact that people are lovers of selves, then they're lovers of money because of what that money can do for them. Uh, they are boasting and they're proud because they love themselves. You know, it's the, the exact opposite of the humility that Jesus manifested and expects of us. Joe, uh, Joe, Chase, I have a question, though. Doesn't it also appear from verse 5 that these people that have these characteristics or have this lifestyle consider themselves religious? Yeah, some of them certainly might. Um, You know, I think Drew's picking up on the language there that they are holding to this form of godliness. You know, they, they have some sort of godliness in their root, maybe from their childhood. They're hanging on to part of it, but they're still allowing themselves and giving themselves over to the lust of the flesh. You know, you even hear that today. People will talk about, you know, in the abortion debate, and you'll hear people who are are pro-choice even describing uh, their abortions as the morally right thing for them to do. Uh, They they seem to even try to portray that as, well, we're sparing the, the life of that child or of poverty or whatever the case might be. Um, even some of the most uh, heinous crimes that we can think of from God's vantage point, people try to justify that even through this uh, form uh, or image of of godliness there. Didn't I also read that there was a religious leader, or I'm not sure if it was a religious leader or a politician, but they said that supporting Planned Parenthood, supporting abortion is the Christian thing to do? Did you recall? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You heard yeah. that too? Yes. Yep. Very, very wow. surprising. And, you know, th- th- this verse describes that kind of mentality. Right. And, you know, guys, I'd never realized until until something Joe had just said, uh, kind of the progression um, that, that happens there, the lovers of self to the lovers of money 
then they become boastful because, you know, I'm thinking about, look what I did to deserve my money. And uh, I become arrogant about that. I revile others because you don't have any idea what I did to get that money. And then the next one, disobedient to parents. You know, I know know that was true in my life at one point to act like everything I did, everything uh, I have is something I gave myself. And so I'm going to act out against my parents because this is something I, I did. I'm disobedient because I love myself um, and I, I didn't care about my parents. Ungrateful, unholy. And you can just see how one thing leads to the other. Sure. And, and, and look at how the end of verse four, that uh, this, this section you have, it starts with lovers of themselves in verse two, and it ends with rather than lovers of God. Um, yeah. it, it's really amazing to think about how, this just goes back to what the Lord taught. You can't serve two masters. You know, uh, we have to deny ourselves. Uh, everything, that, that this, this really encapsulates much of, uh, of the Lord's teachings. So, Joe, on uh, chapter 3, what does your version say? The second one says to my, first it says heartless, then it goes to unappeasable, and then slanders. What does your say for unappeasable? Uh, so, yeah, verse 3 is unloving, unforgiving, and then slanderers. So unappeasable, yours is saying unforgiving. Right. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not going to, to reach a place of reconciliation with somebody. Yeah, New American Standard actually says irreconcilable. Okay. Right. Um, and wow, what a, what a powerful thing to think about in our culture today. they did that to me. How in the world am I going to let that go when they did that to me? Right. Uh, That's a dangerous way of thinking. And and whether it's in politics or or whatever it might be, you hear people talking about, you know, they, they demand tolerance, but they're allowed to say whatever they want to say. And this goes in, in, in every party, as far as I'm concerned, Um, uh, you know, just a a really hateful kind of, of speaking um, about any sort of issue. We have to take an extreme position on, on anything, it seems like. Uh, that's what's in sure. society. Yeah, um, and I was just thinking, too, uh, back in verse 2, it starts off with that lovers of self, and then in verse 3, it men- mentions that they are without self-control. Uh, it, those things sound like the same thing, but what's different about those two? I think one of the things is that once we become lovers of self and we're just giving into our own indulgences, our own desires, we begin to lose uh, even the ability to, uh, to, to maintain control uh, of our own impulses even. We become, like Romans talks about, we become more and more animalistic. Yeah. Uh, I heard a preacher just not that long ago, he did a lesson, and he told me if there was ever a song to be sung, it would be, me, 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 me. And uh, he, he did that for a couple of seconds in the pulpit. And I got a kick at but it resonated with me. It sat with me because that is very true. Um, the world as a whole, it's all about me, what I can get, what I can do, um, where I'm going to end up, uh, how much money I can make. Uh, and when that's our mentality, we have no self-control. We're going to do whatever it takes to get what I want. And to use that word brutal in verse three, I think it's really powerful because that's what you become at that point. You are a brutal person. 
Would you say the fellow going down the escalators that used the excuse that it's 2019 that he fall into that category of brutal? I, I would think so. Sure. Because she was begging him to not talk that way in public, right? Right. And from the way, uh, for some of you that just came on, there was a man on, on, I heard talking to a friend of his on an escalator. He was cursing. And she looked at him and said, what, what did I tell you about cursing around me? Um, and he said, oh, it's 2019. You know, and he started laughing. She had clearly implored him at one point to stop speaking that way around her. And he carried on. He, and that, that would be brutal. Yeah. Joe, you were going to say something. Well, I was going to say, in, in that brutality, just like we noted, these things are not uh, verses two through four. They're not separate and apart. They, they really do go hand in hand. Uh, that whole idea of brutality and then despises of good. Uh, you know, here she's asking him, just refrain from talking that way about me. And he can't even do that. Um, you know, despising that which is good. Um, she's not asking him to, you know, quote scriptures or something. Um, she was simply asking him to refrain from saying vulgar things in her presence. And he's going to mock that idea. Right. Um, and from, from everything that I could tell in the moment, they were friends. And that's, that's how he was treating his friend. And th this is truly someone who's being eaten up and, and chewed up and spit out by the world. Um, now, now, it's on him. Let that not be mistaken. But when we're out in the world, you know, when, when you're out with the sheep, you start smelling like the sheep. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just that's such a toxic environment to find ourselves in. And so being Christians, when we are in situations like that, what do we do? Uh, how do we handle ourselves? And, and I think that'll be something we bring up in a little bit. But guys, any other thoughts down through verse 9? Yeah, on that verse uh, 6 there where it talks about uh, those who creep into households and capture weak women. Uh, sure. That's, that's not a derogatory term towards the woman. A woman. Uh, from what I understand is that the gospel was the first time where women were included in learning and, and being taught something in a scriptural, spiritual uh, standing, that they were second-class citizens prior to the gospel. And, and so they are now, one, the same, like there's no male, no female, as Paul says elsewhere. And so they were learning and being young in the faith, that would be, I think, is what the term is referring to. I could be wrong, but the, the women were weak, spiritually speaking. They're, they're wanting to learn, but then these guys these guys come in and take advantage of them. And, and since the women want to have their, their – the women were overburdened with sins, these guys are taking advantage of them to lead them astray. Now, you can correct right. me if I'm wrong on that, but that's from what I – something yeah. I've read recently. I do, I do think that this is more so talking about false teachers. We, we know in Paul's writing to Timothy, he's warning him and instructing him how to deal with the false teachers in Ephesus at this time. And so I definitely think verse 6 is um, metaphorical, if, if you will. And these women that are uh, wanting to learn, and they're wanting to learn the truth, these false teachers are coming in like those who are in the households and they're captivating the weak women, weighed down by sins, and I think that notice is supposed to be there for a reason because it's these women who feel guilty for their sin. And these men are coming in and they're telling them false knowledge about what to do with that sin. Uh, quite possibly could be what it's talking about. And it says that they, these men are led on by various impulses. Um, 
that that resonates with me personally. In our Bible teaching and in our interactions with people and, and having godly and productive conversations, are we just led on by various impulses by what we say and do? Or are we inspired by the Word of God, or excuse me, using the inspired Word of God uh, to help direct our conversation and our, and our speech? Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, that, that's just such a powerful analogy that I think Paul uses to describe how far off these men are. And of course, they're going to be facing the, the, the wrath, just as those two men uh, that opposed Moses, um, and they're not going to get far. And it's going to become plain for all to see. So eventually, that those false teachers will be exposed. In fact, Paul does a lot of the exposing. Sure, sure. Other thoughts? I, I think it's interesting there in verses uh, 7 through 9 uh, in Second Timothy 3, again, uh, you have this story of Janus and Jambres, um, likely the magicians in Pharaoh's court uh, dealing with, uh, you know, remember how they would try to counter what Moses was saying and so forth. Uh, they had their day. You know, there was a period where they were able to, to mimic the things that Moses did. And however that happened, we, that might be a different study. Um, uh, but there, there is a time where wicked men have influence over the pharaohs or over leadership and so forth. Um, but we need to recognize at the end of the day, it's the Moses. It's the, the humble man on the face of the earth that's going to be pleasing to God and be victorious. Those people, verse 9, they're not going to progress. Even though it might seem like they are, they're going to fall. Sure, absolutely. Um, that, that, and that's such a comforting thing for us to know. Um, I, and I believe Paul gives some further words of encouragement to Christians and to Timothy in particular, because he just gives this very, very daunting list of things and this very daunting list of people that he may encounter. Uh, and, and I've at times encountered people like this. I mean, let, let me make this clear. I at times have been a person like this. But what he goes on to say in verse 10, now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So does Paul come along and look at Timothy and say, oh, but don't worry, you know, things are going to get better in this life. You know, you're going to make all the money in the world. You know, you're, you're not going to have to deal with it. No, actually what Paul says is, hey, don't worry. You're going to get persecuted some more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, these times, okay. sorry, uh, these, no, no, the times that Paul is describing to, to Timothy that he needs to be prepared for, there's going to be backlash to living this godly life. Timothy need to be prepared for it. We need to be prepared for it as we see that, uh, that time in, in our day and age as well. Yeah. I don't um, think the uh, backlash is going to come from you engaging those people described in those first few verses, because the instructions is not to engage them. So the backlash, I know you're going to get to that, I think in a minute, but the backlash that we get is just by the way we live. People are not going to like what you stand for based on what you live. You don't have to say anything to them. 
That's right. But, but what um, about that part about engaging them or not engaging them, Chase? Were you going to go there? In verse 13? No, in verse 5, about those guys, he says they're going to be this way. In, oh, why, why don't you go ahead? Why don't you go ahead with it? Well, the only thing I was going to bring up was he said, avoid them. Avoid such people. And I get the impression there, with that type of person, you're not to engage them. You're not going to get anywhere with them. Am, yeah, I, reading, am um, I reading that wrong? So I certainly, again, I, I want to strike this with a healthy balance of original context and not taking out of context what Paul is doing. Paul is writing to Timothy and warning him about people he's going to deal with and in particular false teachers he's going to have to deal with. And so I think about a false teacher particularly who has all of these qualities as, as a person, um, these bad qualities as a person. Are you going to get anywhere with that guy? That, that's the point I'm getting with you. Yeah, are, right. are you going to get anywhere with him? Probably not. Um, you, you are not going to be able to get anywhere with that guy. So avoid that guy. Uh, you've got some other work to be doing. You've got some other people to interact with. Now, we, at the same time, there's a balance that has to be struck there. Do we know when we meet someone that they have all these bad qualities in them? No, of course not. Yeah, so so we still have the obligation and the responsibility to bring the gospel to them and hope that they're willing to make a change in their lives. Exactly. Joe. Well, surely this we we're going to we're going to make it clear that this should not be applied to Facebook arguments though, right? I mean Oh, yeah, right, right, of course. You know, uh, I think it's an easy thing for, for Christians to engage in. You know, we see some false doctrine or some false idea, and, and maybe it falls into some of these things we read about in verses 2 through 4, and we think, man, I need to spend, you know, two hours arguing back and forth on somebody's Facebook post. And, you know, at the end of the day, you've, we've seen the meme, you know, about how uh, nobody's mind is ever changed by, by Facebook uh, comment arguments and so forth. Uh, talking past each other and, and that sort of thing. I think this is just a, a decent place to make some application there. I agree, an original context is very important, but there's also a principle here of you know, when we see these people acting in this way, there, there's a time to, to not answer a fool according to his folly. Yeah. And, uh, so some of our modern applications here I think could be pretty, uh, pretty handy. Yeah, and I, and I mean, you just look at the time that Jesus had on this earth, there were times he just, he was kind of done with the Pharisees. Um, he had already dealt with them or he had already dealt with people like them. And so they knew where he stood and, and it was time to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, so verse 13 guys, I, I think really sums up this 2019 idea for me at least, but evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse deceiving and being deceived. So they're here. There's no mistaking that these evil men and these imposters are going to be going from bad to worse and deceiving and being deceived. And so it's actually scary. So as a Christian, when I read this, what do I do? How do I handle everything and all all this this moral decline that, that the world's going through? How do I handle that? And I believe the answer is given to us uh, in, in verses 14 down to the end of the chapter. Uh, but do you guys have any other questions or comments before we go there? So in, in verse 13, how does yours read again? 
Mine says, but evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. I think it's interesting that he uses both of those descriptions. You know, we, we pretty much see evil men and we recognize that, but then there are imposters. Uh, there, there are people who are pretending to be, you know, standing up for what's right and what's good, um, uh, and yet they are frauds. Um, uh, and we ought not to um, hold on to the imposter because we don't like the evil man. We should recognize that they are really, uh, you know, two sides of the same coin. We need to reject both of those. We need to see where their end is. Um, uh, I think it is uh, uh, really important for us to be be mindful of that. There are people who are claiming to stand for God, for his principles. They have the form of godliness. We talked about in verse 5. But really, they're denying his power. Um, uh, you know, in, in other ways, they're mocking uh, God's principles through their lifestyle and so forth, uh, like the things in 2 through 4. I think that that's just really important that we think about who are some people who are just posing um, uh, as godly, but really not. Right. Yeah. Very good. Drew, do you have any other comments on this line? No, I'm, I'm good. Okay. Um, well, let's move on then and look at verses 14 through 17, because after Paul gives this, this really hard list of, of people that Timothy will encounter and what he needs to do, Paul says in verse 14, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to say are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And I, I, for a long time, um, when I wanted to come to 2 Timothy 3, I wanted to zero in on 16 and 17. And I understand, you know, there, there are times that just zeroing in on those two verses is good. But it is so powerful when you consider the entire context of this chapter. Paul has just got done saying some terrifying things. Absolutely terrifying. But he gives us a lot of encouragement and strength and courage by telling us that if we continue in the things that we have learned, and in particular, of course, he's talking to Timothy, who earlier in the same letter, he had mentioned that it was his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice, whose genuine faith was instilled in Timothy. But, it, but what we've learned and what we've been convinced of, if we stay in that, and the, the thing that gives us the wisdom to salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ, and we stay in the scripture that is inspired by God, we're going to be able to teach, reprove, correct, be trained in righteousness, and we're going to be thoroughly equipped for every good work that God expects from us. And so there is a lot of comfort in knowing, yeah, it's 2019. And yeah, there's an escalator guy out there who clearly thinks he can do whatever he wants just because it is 2019. And you know what? There's a lot more people like him out there. And that's scary. And it's scary because what we went through in the first part of the chapter is true today. 
But that does not, that does not change God's responsibility, or excuse me, God's expectation for us to continue to be built up and continue to stay in his word and in what we believe and to be trained for every good work and equipped. And so it doesn't, 2019 doesn't mean anything to the Christian. The only thing that 2019 means to a Christian is I've got a clock on the top of my head and it's winding down. And 2019 to me just means I'm one year closer to death or I'm one step closer to the Lord Jesus coming back. And so to a Christian, I'm going to keep living my life the way that God expects me to, regardless of what year it is. And God has given me the tools to be able to do so. Uh, Sorry, guys, I I apologize for ranting. Do you all have any thoughts or comments on that? I like the fact that he brought in that conversation about uh, continuing what you've learned and talking about the scripture right after the statement in verse 14, those were being, they were deceiving and being deceived. So here's the antidote for me not to be deceived myself. That is the scriptures. Right. That's exactly right. Well, you know, we, we live in this and, uh, you know, um, some in our audience might know Gardner Hall, and he's, he's done some writing on postmodernism, uh, and, and others have as well. But certainly that thought of, you know, new, new ways of thinking, new writings, uh, if you will, um, uh, new philosophies, that doesn't change what God had written long, long ago. And so in verse 15 and in verse 16, he's talking about scriptures, um, the scriptures that, that Timothy had grown up with, the scriptures from of old, you know, we're talking primarily, if not exclusively, about the Old Testament in this text. Um, uh, and so we're talking about, you know, hundreds, thousands of years old text. Whatever man is going to think of today is not going to change what God had already said. Yeah. Um, by the way, that book Joe just referenced, here, here it is right here. I highly recommend this book. Um, it's, yeah. a, it's a very good, it does a good job dealing with this balance that, that we're trying to strike. Uh, any other thoughts or comments, guys, on, on 2 Timothy 3? Do you, on, uh, on the Wednesday program, do you also encourage people? I think you do. I just want to remind people that are listening uh, to uh, give us a thought or a comment or a question, right? They can do that on the Facebook page. Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Anyone at any point, if you have any questions or comments or thoughts, uh, feel free to put those in the comments there. Um, well guys, uh, I think that that exhausts, um, for now, at least our conversation on it being 2019. Uh, but Joe, you had another thing you wanted to bring up today that I think goes really well with everything we just talked about. Do you mind introducing that for us? Uh, sure. Uh, people will talk about, and, and I think this fits into the, the category of what we're describing here, and at least it's a, at least it's a cousin to it, um, uh, the, the sense of the good old days, uh, of talking about how things have digressed, how, how horrible things are, how horrible people are, um, as opposed to our generation, um, you know, uh, our youth, uh, our past, um, and we sort of remember those things through uh, rose-colored glasses. Um, we misremember some things, uh, or we fondly remember uh, even even things that are not holy, things that, that are abominations to God. Uh, we either forget about them, we gloss them over. Um, 
I would just encourage people to try to strike a balance with uh, really with just the truth uh, in that matter. Uh, give an example of that. Um, there's a lot of talk today about how bad the younger generation is. And of course the younger generation is just, it's a relative idea. It's whoever's younger than you are. Um, uh, and so, you know, how bad this younger generation is, whether it's millennials or X generation or X, Y, Z, I don't know what they are nowadays. I don't keep track of all the lingo. Um, uh, but you know, they're, they're snowflakes. They, they're, they're offended by everything. They, they, they get upset about everything. And, you know, to some, there are some examples of that. Of course, we hear those examples on the news because that's what sells. And then we label a whole generation of people like that. And that's, that's really unfair. We wouldn't want people to do that to our generation. Uh, and so I, I just think that we need to be very cautious with how we're treating other generations, older or younger. We need to treat them with respect. We need to, uh, you know, uh, have hope for them in the gospel, presenting the gospel to them. I guess I'll pause there and get off my soapbox. I've got more if you, if you would like, but I'll pause there. No, no, no. I, I think that's good. Um, and we need to just consider uh, our past, you know, what, what we are reflecting on. Sometimes we misremember, like you said, we're, we're looking at it with rose colored glasses. Um, no generation. This is so important. No generation has been blameless or perfect. Never been true. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so to go on this idea that that my generation and where I came from was the best, you're making the same mistake many generations before you have made. And what better thing we ought to do, what, what we ought to be doing, is sitting here and thinking, instead of looking to the past, looking to the present and the future, how can I be the best person right now? You're, are we really going to spend time reflecting on how good of a person we were or how good of the times were? Or, or how about we do something to make ourselves better now and the times better now? Um, go ahead, Joe. I, I think that's exactly right. And, and this, this came up uh, recently in a conversation I thought was uh, pretty handy. Just to keep things in perspective, uh, people will talk about how bad this generation is. And somebody pointed out, that the previous generation is not that many decades ago, people would get extremely upset if a black man drank from a white man's fountain in a, in a public park or something like that. You know, things were not all that great in every respect. Uh, there were problems then there are problems. Now the thing to always remember through all of this is that Christ is the, is the answer to that. Um, it's not better politicians. It's not better laws of the land. The, the Lord is what's going to solve that in hearts one by one. Sure. Uh, I, in this conversation, I always think of Ecclesiastes 7.10. Do not say, why is it that the former days were better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Uh, the more you get to thinking about the past, the more, the more you start to realize, wow, we were way off about some things. Uh, my generation, Generation X, I was born in 96. We're wrong about some things. We're, we're, we're definitely wrong about some things. But we better not, later in life, start thinking that we were better than the generation before us. We need to be in the present, and we need to be thinking about what we're going to be doing right now to make ourselves right before God and to please Him. He created us. He loves us. He wants us to serve Him. And so we need to be sure to be thinking about that. 
uh, as we go through our lives. Exactly. You know, we, we need to be sober. Uh, we need to recognize that each person has a soul. Um, and certainly by putting down generations of people, uh, you know, whether that's on Facebook or Twitter or, you know, uh, in, in sermons or whatever, by, by putting down generations of, of individuals, younger or older, um, we're not going to win anybody to the gospel by that. We deal with sin, and, and I'm not saying run away from that in any way, but just these sort of blanket things that, that somehow elevate our generation in some way because we're not them is, well, really it's pretty childish. Yeah, yeah, very good. Um, any other thoughts or comments along these lines, Joe? No, I, that's, I think I'm exhausted what uh, my, my rant there. Um, but I, I think it, it, it does follow through with even some of what uh, Paul was telling Timothy going into the, the fourth chapter even. You know, be focused on the word. Preach that. Uh, teach that to people. Um, you know, be faithful. Uh, be watchful. Endure afflictions. Do the work of the evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Four or five. Uh, that's what we ought to be focused on. Yeah, um, exactly. And uh, one other thought I, I had when, along these lines, over in Colossians chapter 4, um, because I, I want to leave everyone with, uh, with some words of encouragement. Um, I, I know the majority of our viewers right now are, are Christians. Um, number one, for those of us who are Christians here, think about Paul's words in Colossians 4, because when we look at this daunting task of tackling a 2019 world who is on this moral decline, Look at what Paul says uh, in verse 5. He says, Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Whenever we do go to address this world and address those who are acting like the world, we need to think about Paul's words here that we need to think through what we're going to say. Don't spout off at the mouth. Don't, don't have that kind of loose cannon mentality. I need them to know what I'm going to say and that, that I'm right and that they're wrong. Paul says you conduct yourselves with wisdom and your speech needs to be with grace. And the best way for us to do that is God's people is by studying his word, getting into it, so that we may be equipped for every good work, so that we can come at people and help them understand better what God's will is for them. And so, uh, and I would give this encouragement to anyone, Christian or non-Christian, when you go to present your ideas and your thoughts to somebody, uh, if you do believe because it's 2019, you can do whatever you want. Communicate that to people in a way that shows that you care about them, and so we can have a level and a good conversation so we can be productive people of this world uh, and, and on this earth. And that principle, I think, gets lost in communications between Christians and non-Christians, uh, even, even political parties, et cetera. Uh, but that is such a good basic Bible principle to grab a hold of. Amen. Um, well, guys, I think we're just about out of time. Um, if there's any other closing comments or questions, we can tackle those. Thank everybody for listening, and uh, uh, any comments, uh, you can even add them later on. We appreciate that. Yep. All right, guys. Well, uh, Lord willing, we will meet back next Wednesday, and I think we'll have Jeff on with us. So thank you, everybody.